Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on this week's Mid-Bay News Update. I'm your host, Christopher Saul, and this week's Mid-Bay News Update is brought to you by Cafe Bienville. Cafe Bienville has a assortment of different great things to eat on Aaron Johnson's Parkway this morning. I'm a little bit of a weird morning breakfast person, and I got a muffaletta with all of the onion, onions, olives that you could possibly eat are stacked on top of that puppy with ham and cheese and just that wonderful ciabatta bread and of course some chicory coffee to go with it at least that's what i had this morning and i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it so thanks to cafe bienville for sponsoring this podcast and thanks to you for coming along so now let's get right into the news the first thing you'll probably want to hear from me about is the mullet festival update that took place at this week's Niceville City Council meeting. Came from White Hat Productions with a request to the City Council to go ahead and give them a shot at running another mullet festival. And the mullet festival has ran for 40 plus years here in the city of Niceville on the mullet festival grounds, which is just north of Twin Oaks Park. Pretty much where all the youth sports are played here in the city of Niceville, with the exception of, I guess, baseball. Councilwoman Kathy Alley wants to use it to, uh, put more ball fields down in that area. And the Air Force currently owns it, but the city is in a negotiation with them for a long-term lease coming up here in the next year or so is what city manager David Deitch thinks will take place with that specific parcel of land over there as you go up north on 85 and cross College Boulevard. But the the agreement that they came to a 5-0 vote by the Niceville City Council to begin rendering aid to see this project come into completion uh, by October of 2024. It does come, of course, like I said, with some caveats. Uh, Matthew McKinnon and Mark Wagner, the principal people behind White Hat Productions, have to get parking from somewhere in the city of Niceville. And so they say they want to get it from Northwest Florida State College, which is right next to that big parcel of land. Um, But a lot of city leadership says that they frankly have their doubts about uh, what they say will be thousands of uh, stumbling drunks walking back to their cars on campus and really kind of presenting a risk to the state college possibly and to the city. So will that work out? We don't know. The two gentlemen say they're going to go talk to Dr. Devin Stevenson, who is the president of Northwest Florida State College, and get his blessing on the parking situation or find another one. And basically what the city council said is that we'll give you a contingent yes on this proposal, but if you can't find parking and you can't get the manpower situation dealt with, and that's another thing we need to talk about, but they're, they're going to take back their yes, basically. And the other issue they have to deal with is figuring out how much it's going to cost and how many police officers, firefighters, EMTs, public works people they need in order to make this this whole thing work out. And right now they don't have a number. And uh, there was a little bit of frustration at the city council meeting because they didn't have a specific number. They say they won't need as many public works people people as was originally thought. They have their own crews that they're going to bring in, but they were pretty adamant that they want to see police uh, on on the campus of the Mullet grounds as this event goes on. It's going to be a three-day event coming up uh, next October if it actually comes to fruition. Whether or not that will happen is still somewhat up in the air. Other details, they say that they'll plan to sell about 70,000 tickets to a potential festival in 2024 at $10 a piece for everybody that's 11 years old and up. Kids under the age of 10 would get in free, and they say that they would allow Okaloosa County employees to get in for a reduced fee uh, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on that Friday of the event. Now, I don't know 
what Okaloosa County employee means. Um, specifically, it could be everybody from just the Board of County Commissioners employees to school teachers and anybody that works in Okaloosa County. They weren't really clear on what that means. Other things they want to bring back, a Miss Mullet pageant, food court, vendor village, large concert stage, excuse me, and rollback prices on tickets. But they didn't really say what that rollback price would be. Ultimately, they put together a, a basic budget, and it looks like they would spend $200,000 on talent to come to the area and play uh, about $95,000 for first responders to help out with the event. And the take-home, the, I guess the, the total gross pay minus the expenses for this thing, would net out at $574,000 for the organizers. How exactly that would work, what it would look like, how much they would actually get, all remains to be seen. You're just going to have to stay with me until we figure it out. Over in the Vale of Paradise, that's the city of Valparaiso, the city has decided that it is going to have to find a little bit of extra money, though they haven't decided exactly where from, to match a $400,000 grant from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, the FWC, that was for $400,000 in order to rehabilitate the city's boat launch over at Lincoln Park. And if you want to see some uh, pictures of the way it looks right now, you can go to midbaynews.com. We have a picture of the uh, boat launch and the little pier they have there so you can see what kind of condition it is. We also posted a video earlier this week. They have that $400,000 ready from that grant, but the total cost of the project is going to be a million dollars total. So the city decided they're going to move forward with this project, but they haven't decided exactly where the rest of that money is going to come from. City clerk Tammy Johnson said, though, if they don't if they don't do this project right now, they risk losing that boat ramp altogether. They think it's in pretty bad condition. Commissioner Chris Wasden said that. You know, this is this is a big piece of their infrastructure in the city. It brings people to Valparaiso, and therefore it's something that they need to make sure that they preserve it. And so ultimately they voted unanimously to make this thing happen. So where is the rest of the money going to come from? They have roughly $550,000, $600,000 they got to find in order to make up the hole to rebuild this boat ramp. They would put two boat ramps in, have a T pier that would jet out into the water, a couple of other improvements that they would take care of as well. But... The first source that they mentioned is the American Rescue Plan Act money, so that's ARPA money. It was signed into law by President Joe Biden after it passed through Congress in 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. That money does come with some restrictions on its use, but it looks like, uh, at least according to the legal team over at Valparaiso City Hall, that they would be able to use it here. They had other intended uses for this money, $52,000 for a new police vehicle, $75,000 for firehouse building expansion, uh, but they may use it on this instead. They might also also use a community development block grant, a CDBG, which is money from the federal government as well to make up, you know, part of this uh, nest egg of money to build this boat launch slash pier. They also have a $15,000 boating improvement grant from Okaloosa County they get every year. Not a whole lot of money, but with one of these projects, every penny helps. And then finally, they have about $300,000 in their parks reserves over at the city of Valparaiso, so they may dip into some of that money as well. Ultimately, they don't know where that money is going to come from exactly. They're going to use some of it, and they're going to make sure that this money uh, materializes for this. Now, there was some ire in the city hall uh, while this this discussion was happening. Uh, One Valparaiso resident, uh, Daniel Irwin, said that he he was frustrated with the city commission because they had decided they hadn't gone through channels, or at least it didn't seem that way to him, uh, to get tourism development tax money. 
and that's that's money that you get from taxes on hotel room stays. And we have a whole lot of that here in this in the city of Valparaiso, Okaloosa County in general. And that is why I think he was a little bit frustrated. He wanted to see some of that money come back to the city of Valparaiso, especially after the uh, residents of the city, the residents of the county voted to expand the tourism tax district over the whole county as opposed to just kind of in the touristy areas with the hope that some of that tourism money would come back to the area, make improvements just like this. So when might we see a new boat launch in the city of Valparaiso? Well, the latest they can do it and be done with it is June 30th of 2024. That's when the $400,000 grant runs out. So plan is to ensure that that boat launch is done by June the 30th. Over on Eglin Air Force Base, they've opened a couple of new buildings to help them make their tests with the 96 test wing and other units on the base more efficient, more practical, uh, give them better data more quickly, and uh, ultimately keep ahead of rivals like Russia and China. General Jeffrey Garrity told a group of people that gathered for the ribbon cutting on these two buildings, which they call IRC-1 and IRC-2, that the quote, emerging next generation weapons are outgrowing the capabilities of ranges built to World War II era specifications, and that the era of dumb gravity-powered munitions is long gone. And so these new buildings will help uh, gather what's called telemetry, or basically all the data that comes from a test, everything from radio waves to how far a missile went, and wind speed, and all the other little things that help people understand exactly what's going on with the weapon to make sure it's it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Now, I called these two buildings ERC-1 and ERC-2. That means Eglin Range Control Complex 1 and 2. And basically they house, um, think of them as like a brain, getting a bunch of uh, information from the fingers and the toes and all these other uh, data points where uh, information is coming in from a test. And so it allows them to analyze it there in-house more quickly they don't have to have people spread out all over the Gulf Coast and in the forest somewhere. Ultimately, General Garrity said the United States relies on us to, quote, deliver war-winning capabilities, and that's what these facilities enhance. Our job is not simply to stay ahead of the technology, but to stay ahead of our enemies, ensuring that the Joint Force is ready with capabilities tried and tested by the Air Force. And then he added that we promise air power anytime, anyplace. Some sad news for the Air Force community as well this week. They're grappling with the death of Captain Nicholas Brown, a 34-year-old officer who was assigned over to the 33rd Fighter Wing at Eglin Air Force Base. Searchers found Captain Brown after an Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office aqua alert was issued over the weekend, and that usually means that the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office Marine Unit, the Coast Guard, everybody's called out looking for a swimmer or a boater that has gone missing. Ultimately, the search concluded with the discovery of Captain Brown's body. Colonel Dave Skalicki, the commander of the 33rd Fighter Wing, said that uh, he was going to express the collective sorrow of the Air Force community here at, on Eglin Air Force Base and wider, more generally as well. He says, we're mourning the loss of a valued teammate today. The Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office also released a statement after Brown was found, which said, quote, tragically, the missing diver has been located deceased. Please join us in sending our sincere sympathies and prayers to his family and friends. Captain Brown was an Austin, Texas native, served as an instructor pilot for the 50th Fighter Squadron at Eglin Air Force Base. Back in the city of Niceville, some good news for the Air Force community. A 
family of an Air Force staff sergeant who died with uh, cancer related to his service in the military was given a payoff of their entire mortgage uh, over the last weekend for a celebration of Veterans Day. A group called Tunnel to Towers Foundation announced a full payment of that mortgage on the family home of John Dobler, Staff Sergeant Don John Dobler. The surprise was unveiled on Veterans Day as a part of the foundation's commitment to families that have service-related issues like the Doblers did. Staff Sergeant Dobler was an Air Force veteran, and he succumbed to his service-related cancer that was attributed to burn pit exposure on February 18th of 2014. His decade-long service was a testament to his love for flying and the dedication to the United States, the, the country that he loved, as well as his father's service in the Marine Corps. He was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer in 2012, and Dobler, it says, fought valiantly for nearly two years through surgeries and treatments before he passed away. His legacy lives on through his wife, Amanda, and their son, Noah. Amanda said, quote, my husband loved being a part of the military. I know that the Air Force was his family, and he would be so proud knowing how well we're being taken care of during this time. Words can't describe what a blessing this is to me and my son. We're honored and blessed that my husband's service meant something, and he continues to be remembered. The city of Valparaiso looks like it's going to get a city manager of its own. The city is really the only city without a manager, a formal manager-council relationship, and they still won't have that council-manager relationship. Uh, They're going to stick with their city commission form of government, but they're going to hire somebody with the position of city manager who's going to kind of work as the traffic cop for all the things that got to get done while the city commissioners, which are paid like a dollar a year, are at their day jobs. Um, Because as you might have guessed, a dollar a year is not going to cut it when it comes to full-time management, especially for a city. The city commission voted three to one in favor of moving forward with hiring this new position which would answer directly to that city commissioner. The city commission voted three to one in favor of moving forward with the new position, which would be in charge of all hired employees at the city and would answer directly to the city commission. Commissioner Kay Hamilton was absent from the meeting and Commissioner Tom Browning voted against the measure. Commissioners Chris Wasden, Ed Crosby, and Mayor Brent Smith voted for that new position. Commissioner Browning said just really one quick sentence. I don't think we need it before he voted against it. The new position could cost about $100,000 in base pay based on the going rate around the Northwest Florida area, and that does not include benefits, but it's based on similar size cities in the area, uh, like the town of Mary Esther, which is paying its city manager about $100,000. The position can be hired and fired at will with a vote of three commissioners. All right, so game day is here today, Friday. November the 17th is the second round of the Florida High School Athletic Association football playoffs, and the Eagles are still in it. Niceville is going to play host this week to Bartram Trail High School, which is a team over on the Atlantic coast of Florida in St. John's County. And you might remember from last week, they weren't at home, and that's because of some crazy mathematical hinky-dink, moju, juju kind of stuff. Nobody really understands it. All we know is there was a lot of math involved, and it ended up with the Eagles on the road the first round of the playoffs, but didn't really matter to them because they took a decisive 56-21 win over Nice out of Pontevedra. Basically, they just kind of ran them off the field, even though they were over there 
in the Jacksonville area. Bartram Trail, meanwhile, is coming off a high-scoring thriller against Navarre High School, securing a 67-55 shootout last Friday as well. Bartram Trail is 7-4 this year and does pose a formidable challenge on the offensive side of the ball for Niceville in this upcoming face-off, which takes place here in Niceville. For its part, Niceville also secured a pretty impressive victory against Navarre, where they won 63-34. And so what we know is uh, both teams can <laughs> score. What we don't know is whose defense is going to show up tonight. So an exciting game over at the Eagles' nest, where you'll probably be watching quarterback Kane LaFortune, running back DJ Shorts, and Maddox Fayard all get in on the action on the offensive side of the ball. And if the defense shows up, the Eagles have a good chance of going to the third round. Over on the campus of Northwest Florida State College, the Raiders handled Indian Hills with relative ease. The final score over there at that game for the men was 79-63. to 63. Uh, Some of the earlier games we covered from this year, Jaden Scheider is a rebounding machine. And so the Northwest Florida State College Raiders are still undefeated on the year and still a wonderful team to go and watch. Jaden Scheider and Tavion Banks got the lion's share of the points and their game against this perennial powerhouse junior college team of Indian Hills. Tonight, the Lady Raiders will host East Mississippi Community College at Raider Arena at 5.30 p.m. So if you can't make the football game or want to be inside because it's too cold, the ladies are going to play a really great game. East Mississippi Community College, they dispatched them with little effort. Uh, when they were in Scuba, Mississippi, earlier this month, beating the East Mississippi Community College team 95-38. to Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Mid-Bay News Update. Hope you got some information that you can use, and we'll see you here next week.